So good to see you all here this morning, and uh, so thankful for those who have joined us online. Uh, you may wonder if ever you see me over uh, during the offertory music, just sitting, and I pray during that time, I, I prepare my heart for what the Lord is getting ready to uh, prayerfully speak through me, but also, I love listening to you all, and what a joy to sit on that bench, and what I get to do is I get to hear you all on this year and the choir in this year, and what a beautiful, beautiful coming together that is. Music is a salve for the soul, and worship uh, of the Lord is a great thing. So thank you for worshiping this morning. Well, Happy New Year to you all. I hope that you all had a wonderful and safe New Year and got to enjoy it with family and uh, got to spend that time together. And as we have crossed from 2020, a horrible year, into 2021, we have a dawn of hope. Uh, but we always have hope, right? As children of the living God, our hope is every day. It's not because uh, a 20 turned into a 21. It's because our Savior is risen and risen indeed. And so I'm thankful that you are, are here with us today. And if you would, please turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. Mark 12, 28 through 34. And while you're turning there, just two very quick announcements. Uh, as we have, are stepping into this week and coming out of the holidays, we will return to a normal church schedule this week. So we will have uh, a time of uh, worship tonight and then uh, Wednesday evening activities. And, and speaking of tonight, what better way to speak, uh, step into this new year but in a time of prayer? And so our service tonight will be a time of prayer where we reflect on what God has done in 2020. We should not cast the year aside. Uh, we should see what God has delivered us through and hold fast to his promises, and then uh, pray about the upcoming year, and certainly our church body. We have a number of prayer requests, and so as a church together, we will pray for one another. So I invite you to come and be a part of that. Well, now, I have a question for you, and this is a part where you can interact. I know it's a little bit weird whenever the preacher does that and offers up a time for you guys to shout out answers, but I'd love to hear answers from you this morning. And the question that I have for you is this. How do you all know that I love my wife? How do you know that I love Heather? So I, I, I want some answers from you guys. How do you know that? The hardwood floors. My daughter cried. Yes, that was the uh, a Christmas present to her. put down some laminate floors in our bedroom. All right, hardwood floors. What else? <laughs> the, the baby from the back speaking up. What else you got? How do you know that I love Heather? I, I do what? I make reference to her. All right, I speak about her. Absolutely. What else? The way we look at each other. I'm giving those uh, goo goo eyes. What else? The wedding band. Right. I have a symbol of our marriage on my finger, right? How else? I show my affection towards her, turn my attention towards her. Well, I take care of her. You guys ever see me hold her hand or hug her or anything like that? Yeah. All these different things, right? See, here's what I want to drive at because it has a lot to do with what we're going to be looking at in Scripture today. I can say that I love Heather. I can tell you all that. I can wear a symbol of my love for Heather on my ring. But how do you know that? 
How do you know that when I say I love her that I actually do, that it's not just words that are coming out of my mouth? Is there some, something that you can see in my relationship with her that can prove my love for her? And you all have thrown things out, uh, laminate hardwood floors for Christmas, uh, acts of service, affection, uh, speaking about her, uh, hanging and taking care of her. Uh, so you all can see that there is action that marries up with my words. And so what I want to do today and what I want to do for these next three weeks is that I figured as we have stepped into this new year, before we uh, continue into some sermon series that I've got planned of Philippians and 1 John, is that I want to have a micro-series on our mission as a church. Our mission statement is to love God, love others, and make disciples. And so for the next three weeks, that's what I want to concentrate on. And today I want to speak about love God. That's the title of today's sermon, Love God. And then how do we show that we love God? How is it that when we say we love God, we prove our love towards Him? And our Scripture today speaks about that. And I figured what we would do starting this new year is that we would refocus who we are as a church as we are beginning a new journey into a new year that still has its challenges, it still has its difficulties, who are we, what are we called as the church to do? And so today, we are called to love God. So if you have found Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34, will you please stand with me, if you are able, for the reading of God's Word. It says this, One of the scribes approached, when he had heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which command is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have correctly said that he is one, and there is no one else except him. And to love him with all of your heart, with all of your understanding, with all of your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is far more important than the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to question him any longer. Let's pray. Mighty Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much to be able to be gathered in your house, Father, to be able to be gathered in homes all across this area, Lord, to worship your holy name. And Father, I pray that as we step into this new year, Lord, our focus would be on you. Lord, we would go where you would have us go. But most importantly, Father, that we would love you with everything and with all that we are. Lord, I pray that your people that are called by your name, Lord, would seek after your face. And Father, that we would show our great love for you as is commanded here in your scripture. Now, Lord, I pray that you would move me out of the way and you would speak. And Father, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I pray this in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. You may be seated. As we approach the text here in Mark, what we see is that Jesus is in the temple and he is debating with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. 
In fact, as he's just come to this point, he has silenced the Sadducees as they are against resurrection, and he has proven that there is a resurrection. And, and the Pharisees, of course, are, are uh, troubled by this because they both agree that there is a resurrection, so that scores points in their mind for Jesus, but they still want to kill him because they don't want him around. But Jesus, as he is debating with them and, of course, showing his great wisdom, a lone scribe comes up to him and, seeing the wisdom of Jesus, asks him this question, Oh, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And see, for us, we need to understand that as he is asking this question, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those of the religious group in Israel, uh, the religious Jews, had 613 different commandments to follow from God, from the law. And so this scribe is asking Jesus, of those 613 commandments, teacher, which one is the greatest? And of course, Jesus answers him and sums up all the law by reciting to him the Shema, which comes from Deuteronomy 6, 4. And then he carries through with love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, which we see comes in Deuteronomy 6, 5. But then he also adds to it Leviticus 19, 18, which is love your neighbor as yourself. And so he takes something that uh, perhaps the community as a whole would have in general as they add these to 613 different commands, but he takes for the first time these two commands and he brings them together. And he takes two commands and essentially makes them into one, which is to love, to love God, to love others. And, of course, the scribe is bowled over by his answer and is excited by this answer. And he amplifies it and magnifies it and says, you are so right. And Jesus' response to him is, you are not far from the kingdom of God because you have recognized this. And so what I want to do over these next two weeks is I want to start today with love God, and next week we will look at love others, to love our neighbors as ourselves. But Jesus here lays out for us two things, really, that we need to look at. There's really only two points to the sermon, even though we will look at the four subpoints of how we are to love. But there is a what and there is a how that Jesus is laying out for us today. The what is to love God, and the how will be with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And really, as we separate those, which we will do, uh, we're going to look at each one of those individually, but Jesus is bringing them together in totality. He is saying that the super totality of the human existence comes together in love for God. In every way that we are a human, we are to love God. And coming on the heels in Deuteronomy where there is a repetition of the law, they have just spoken the Ten Commandments again. Moses is walking them through it as they're getting ready to step into the promised land. Here we see Jesus summing up the Ten Commandments plus all the rest by saying they really focus on loving God and loving others. So let's start at the first part, what we are to do to love God, to love God. How are we to understand love for God? Well, if you were to look at it from an Old Testament standpoint, an Old Covenant standpoint, as was listed in Deuteronomy 6.5, to love God was to maintain covenant obedience. You loved God by obeying God. And the same is true today. We show love for God by obeying God. And what's interesting, oftentimes as a pastor, I am most often asked, 
Why did God put a tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden? Seems to be a stumbling block for many Christians as to why. But the answer is very simple, to give us the choice to love Him, to have obedience to Him. Here is my one command, do not eat, show obedience. And that obedience is love for God. But we also can see the beauty of what Jesus is doing here as he is in the temple area. He knows in a few days he is going to his death. And things for all humanity are going to change. Because not only will there be covenant obedience that shows love, but there now will be a kingdom relationship with God. The veil will be torn and mankind can be in the presence of God through the Son. So love for God will be a relationship with Him. It will be a return to Eden to be able to walk with God. So we have love for God through obedience to Him and love for God with a relationship through the Holy Spirit born of the blood of Jesus Christ with God. And the beautiful thing is this. Scripture teaches us where that love for God comes from. Our love for God comes from God. 1 John 4.19 says this, We love because He first loved us. We are capable of loving God because God loved us and has given us that Spirit. But we are also to see that our love for God is to supersede all other loves. He is to be our greatest treasure. Jesus speaks of this in Matthew 10, 37 through 39. He says, The one who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Anyone who finds his life will lose it, and anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. He's simply saying there should be no love that supersedes the love of God, the love of Christ. And see, the beautiful thing in this is we, we sometimes hear those words and think, that's harsh. But the reality behind it is if our love priority is fixed on God, every other love we have will line up perfectly underneath him. The love that a man has for a woman, the love that I have for my wife, a spouse for, uh, a, a, for the spouse, is made perfect in the love of God. If I love God and Heather loves God and we seek Him together, we grow, grow closer together. So if every other love is subservient to God, then those loves will be even be greater. But there is to be no love greater than the love for God. So that's what to love God is. Now we look at how do we love God? How are we to do this? And Jesus answers that question with four statements. But they all start the same, with all. How do we love God? With our all. And he gives us four words. We are to first love God the Lord our God, with all our heart. 
Now, how do we understand heart? Is it just the organ that pumps blood through our body and makes sure that it goes from our toes to our head? Well, in this culture, and even still today, really, the heart is the most important organ, but it is also the seat of all emotion. It is the seat of all emotion, desire, and life. In fact, it is the very core of the human. The word heart, when we say to get to the heart of a thing, the heart of earth, any of these things, what we're talking about is getting to the very center and the very core of the item. It's a complex thought process that the Hebrews lay out for us that we still today carry. It's just the total inner self. All of our emotions, everything else, centered. We make decisions with our heart. We say this even today. We yearn with our heart. And see, with that, the heart is the engine of our will. What our heart yearns for, what our heart desires, what our heart seeks after is what we will do. And so the heart is this very engine of our direction, the seat of our emotions, the seat of our desire. And see, Scripture so often speaks of God desiring our heart to desire Him. In fact, we see the scribe say this as he comes on the other side of what Jesus has said. He says, you're so right to love God with everything we have and to love our neighbor. These are better than any sacrifice. So often in Scripture it speaks of that, that God does not seek burnt offerings. He seeks the offering of the heart of the human before him so that we give him our emotions, that we give him our desires, that we give him our yearning, that he is the focus on everything our heart wants. We see this in Psalm 119, 11. I have treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word penetrates the thing that is my emotion and my will. And so with that, he starts by saying, let everything that powers you be for me. And so it is in 2021, that needs to be our refocus, that everything we have, everything we desire is God and His will to be done. And so we are to love Him in that way. And then Jesus goes to the next thing. He says, not only love with all of your heart, but love with all of your soul. This is a hard term for us to grasp. And the Greek is called the psyche. And when we think of the psyche, we tend to think of uh, more the mind and the immaterial thoughts of the mind. But what is being said here is talking about the intangible self, the very life that God has breathed in us, our very spirit that animates our body, that allows us life. What he's saying here is our very life needs to be given over to him, this vital force that he has put inside of us. Many of us have unfortunately experienced the death of a loved one, or we have seen in some form a dead body. And 
we all recognize in that dead body the missing piece of that body. The soul is gone. The very life force is not there. And thus the body is not animated. So what is Jesus saying when he says we are to love with all of our soul, with all of our spirit? He is saying that we are to treasure God with our very innermost man. The intangible man is to seek after God. And so if our body is animated by this, then our love for God is to animate our body and move us so that our very life is God's, so that our spirit yearns for his spirit. So we are to love God with all of our heart. We are to love God with all of our soul. And the third thing Jesus says is we are to love God with all of our mind. Now what's interesting is we don't see that word in Deuteronomy, nor do we see it recorded in Luke over the same passage. So Mark records that Jesus has added this additional word that the scribe then affirms to love God with all of our mind, all of our understanding. See, for the Hebrews, slightly different than the heart. If the heart is the seed of emotion and desire, the mind is the seed of understanding and wisdom. It is where we think, how we process. And so he's saying you are to love God and process his words and process him and process his very being with your mind. It is the wellspring of our decision. And so if our mind is focused on God and our decision-making is focused on God, then the decisions we make in our life will be decisions that are born of heaven. And this is to love with all of our mind. And so what are we to do with our mind? Because so often our mind is polluted and crowded with different thoughts and with garbage that we have placed in there. And so our decision-making and our conscience is all twisted. What do we do? How do we fix that? Scripture tells us what we're to do. We are to consume God's Word. We are to reflect and to meditate on God's Word. We are to consider Jesus. We are to consider the cross. We are to consider His death and what He has done for us. We are to think of our God and what He has done. Both Philippians 4.8, I think, is a beautiful place for us to go to understand how do we cast out the garbage in our brains. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. And that is how our minds love God, to dwell on these things, things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy. So we are to love the Lord our God with all of our mind. 
And finally, he says this, we are to love the Lord our God with all of our strength. That is to love God with all of our energy, with all of our power, with all of our might. It is to put the love that is in our heart, the love that is in our soul, the love that is in our mind, and make it tangible with our actions. We are to take our natural abilities and the talents that God has given us and put them into service for Jesus. We are to understand the gifts that God has given us and apply them to the church, to our family, to our workplace, to our community. And we are to do, as we've just said earlier, as you all were trying to understand, how do I, how do I prove that I love Heather? I can have the symbol. I can say it with my mouth. But if you see no evidence of my love for Heather by what I do, you would question, do I really love her? But no, my strength goes to her. And believe me, laying laminate floor over a two-day period requires some strength. So we put our strength into it. Simply this, exercise your will towards God and put action to your words. Now with all four of these, and I've already said this before, there is a linking word. And that linking word is all. We are to love God with our all. Everything. Nothing is left out in this. When he says all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength, he's not saying some of it. He's saying all of it with everything that we are and with everything that we have, we are to love him. We are not to take God's wholehearted love for us and repay it with a half-hearted love for him. And so that is the great challenge for us today as we step into 2021. Are we half-hearted are we giving it half our spirit? Are we giving it half our mind? Are we giving it half our strength? Are we only giving 90% to God? Or are we giving him all of who we are? I want to close with an illustration to kind of bring this together. I think that will help us understand how we love God and how love for God changes us. And it comes from uh, a college student. Ted Anderson is going to know this story. He was there and present for it. It goes back about three or four years, I think. We were sitting at a Starbucks, and we were all talking together. And one of the other students that was there, he was talking about the fact that he had fallen in love with a girl. And he was talking about how he started changing his disposition because of that, and specifically his car. And when he was done telling that story, I was like, brother, that, that is... Everything you've just said, I hope you've heard what you just said, because that is a perfect illustration for the Christian life, and I'm going to use that for the rest of my life. I'm going to tell everybody this. I haven't used his name because I haven't gotten permission to use his name, but he was sharing with us how disgusting his car was. He's a typical college student, and he drove around in a janky car that was filled with all of his garbage, 
And he said, and it all just kind of hit ahead. The worst part of it was that he was drinking milk one day in his car. He bought one of those little cartons, and he, he had taken a sip of it, and he set it down, and I guess it had come to a rough stop, and the milk carton spilled and poured all over the floorboard of his car. Well, being the typical college student, he didn't care, nor did he clean it up. And so it sat there in his car, and you all know what happens to milk if it sits. It started getting rancid and curdling, and it was getting down into the fibers of his car. And he said, every time I got in that car, I smelled rotten milk. But I got in the car nonetheless. I had to go from point A to point B. And he said, over time, the funny thing was, is I didn't smell it anymore. Other people would tell me how gross it was, but I didn't smell it. And then he said he met this girl, and suddenly, suddenly, everything changed. He suddenly sat in his car and recognized, you know, one day, we're going to go on a date. She's going to probably want to ride with me. And my car reeks, and it's disgusting. I got all this garbage in there. He's like, and I was looking at myself, and I noticed, like, I hadn't showered in a couple of days, and... I myself didn't smell good. He says, suddenly, everything wrong with the car was put into relief. And he said, not only that, I immediately wanted to change it. And so he took his car, and he got it detailed. And he got that milk smell out of his car, and he cleaned it up. And every surface was armor-alled and polished and vacuumed. And it was gorgeous inside of his car. And he could sit inside of his car, and he didn't smell rotten milk anymore because he didn't want it to smell like rotten milk because he wanted to impress the girl. I said, brother, that's the Christian life. That's love. That's the very definition of love. That's why God has given us this thing we call love, to understand him better. See, when we are transformed by love, we don't want the garbage in our life anymore. We don't want that smell. See, we've gotten so accustomed to living in our sin that the smell of it is gone. But the moment we fall in love with God and we fall in love with Jesus, The smell in our car is rancid, and we want it gone because we smell it like God smells it. We see it like God sees it. And see, we're not doing this because we are under some duty to clean our car. Someone is coming in and saying, brother, you better clean that car up. Ah, no. We want to because we love God more than we love the rotten milk that we've been hanging out with for so long. See, that's love for God. And that is how our heart changes. See, his heart had changed for this girl. Now his desires were for her. See, his spirit just yearned for her. His mind acknowledged something is desperately wrong in this car. And his actions, his strength went into cleaning it all up. So it be the same for us, O church. May we examine our love for God and see where we have left anything on the table, where we still have that piece of milk 
that for some reason we treasure. And let us see it for the rancid pool of stink it really is. And may we work to get rid of it. And by God's grace, he'll allow us to do it. And so, church, my challenge for you in 2021 is this. Love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind. These, this is what we've been called to do. And so in this moment of invitation and decision, what I want to do is this. I'm going to pray in just a moment. We're going to sing. If you are a child of God's, take this opportunity and say, Oh, Lord, where have I shortchanged you? Where am I not giving you my all? Reveal it to me. So, Father, I may clean it up and give it to you. But it may very well be that you are here today or you are watching online and God is not your all because you do not know his son. Today is the day. We have lived for almost a year with hundreds of thousands dying. That should be sign enough for us. You are not promised today. You're not promised tomorrow. As we closed out 2020, I really began to think about these 345,000 who have died. And I really began to wonder how many of them died and went to heaven. How many families today are grieving over a loss that is an eternal loss? Don't let that be you today. Scripture is very clear. Treasure Jesus Christ with everything we have. And how do we do that? The same way that I described with this guy's car. We see our sin as God sees it. We smell it. And we repent of it. And we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, as love of our life. And then we put everything we have into him. See, when we confess, Scripture is clear. When we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, we will be saved. And if that's you this morning and you are present here, as Vern is singing, come forward. I'll be standing down here. I'd love to talk with you. If you're online and watching with us and you've made the decision for Christ, we've set up a website that you can go to. It's minthillbc.org slash decision. It's private. You can fill out what the Lord is doing in your life today and let us reach out to you. But it may very well be that you just want to pray. And come forward and pray. Maybe you want to join our church. We would love to have you be the first people to join Mint Hill Baptist Church in the year 2021. But, oh, church, let's do take this time to reflect on how we love God. Let's pray. Almighty Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day and this opportunity to be in your house. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, your, your word tells us that as your word goes out, it does not return void. And Father, I pray that you would move in the hearts of your people. Father, that we would all, every last one of us, would see where we are not giving you our all. And Father, may we commit to give you everything we have. And Father, if there be just one in the sound of my voice, whether present or online, that does not know you, that has not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior,
Father, I pray that you would melt their heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. For, Father, only you can do this. And, Father, I pray that you would. Lord, that they may accept you and live in eternal glory with you all the remainder of their days. Father, I pray that you move in this moment and that you be glorified in all that has been said and done. Pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen.